pickleball player Mike Brannon was stuck on a cruise ship at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. What came of that experience was pickleball and the art of living, the power of positive thinking, a book which is a metaphor for life. It combines humor, advice on how to live fully, and of course, guidance on how to play the game of pickleball. So let's get to the intro to hear more from Mike. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Mike Brennan. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Good to be here, Lynn. It's great to have you on, Mike. And I wanted to bring you to the show because you have written a really, really interesting book on pickleball. It's called Pickleball and the Art of Living, The Power of Positive Dinking. But before we actually get into the book, I do like to start with somebody's origin story of how they first heard about pickleball and started playing the game. I actually was out for a run one day. I was getting my uh, tires rotated or something fun like that. And I go, well, I can just sit in the, in the waiting room here for a while, or I can do something constructive, which is kind of one of the, the things I talk about in the book is always be looking for opportunities. So I went for a run, ended up just randomly going by a gym where I used to play basketball. I, I ran in for old time's sake so I could see where I made the, all those winning three-point shots or all those, all those other things that I really didn't do, but wish I did. And there was a bunch of people playing this game, which I had never seen before. And it took a, probably a solid 30 seconds for somebody to catch my eye and, and tell me, grab a paddle and join us. And it's that kind of welcoming experience that really brought me into the first place. And it continues to be a big reason why I love the game. It's just so welcoming and inclusive. So how did you get from playing pickleball for your first time to writing, as I said, just a really interesting book on it? The book actually was never intended to be about pickleball. When I first wrote it, I was on a one of those cruise ships that was stuck out in the middle of the ocean during the pandemic when it broke out last year. We got quite the shock when all of a sudden there was no countries that would let us get off the ship and we were floating around the ocean for 20 some days. And I had a decision to make after I worked out at about 8 a.m. I was done with that and I, I, just, I had to either go to happy hour immediately or start doing something constructive and liver saving. And so I decided I'd better start writing. And so I just started to write all the things I'd been thinking about, but had been too busy to put on paper and a series of essays. I had one throwaway paragraph on pickleball just to make a point. And when I got home, I, I sent the book to a couple of my friends in the book business and independently of each other, they both said, hey, we love your book. We love the writing and the humor. The problem is you're not famous and no one will read your book unless you're already famous in this strange new publishing world. So they both said, hey, what about the pickleball angle? And I thought to myself, huh, yeah, that could be a good metaphor for life. And so I rewrote the book over the next few months with the pickleball angle. And it, it came out January 5th. I hit, hit number one on Amazon in its category. And it's been such a fun experience. So it was pretty serendipitous. You Talk about an opportunity. I mean, you would never think of spending 20 days on a cruise ship unexpectedly would be such an opportunity. Yeah. And it was really strange, Lynn. You know, I know you have a psychology background too, just to watch the human experiment of people who either went one direction, went completely neurotic and unaccepting to those that just went with the flow in our situation. Because it was it was scary. We didn't know when we would ever get off and and people were 
you know, they had some legitimate issues, but it really was a test of people either going one direction or the other and making the best of it or, or spiraling downward. So it was, it was, it was an interesting experience and an interesting time to be writing because I had a lot of subject material unfolding right in front of me. I bet. And one of the things that you just mentioned in that last statement was, you know, kind of going with the flow, but in your book, you also talk about a flow state. And I know, you know, both of us have a psychology background, but that's always been one of my favorite concepts in sports psychology. For, you know, the audience out there, can you kind of describe, you know, what a flow state is? That's great. I think the flow state, it's, it's one of those things, you know it when you feel it. But if you try to say it or enunciate it, it loses the experience right there. It's like when you, when it's something that's ineffable in a way is it, that, that flow is, is kind of divorced from the ability to describe it's, 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 it's beyond words. And one of the ways I, I get at it in the book, I describe it as the, the sequences you have to go through when you learn anything. So when you're learning pickleball, if you're new to the game, you start out in the place of unconscious incompetence. You don't know what to do and you don't know how to do it. Eventually you go through different stages. One of the final stages you go through conscious competence where you know what to do, but you're having to think about everything as you do it. You know, put my feet here, put my paddle in front of me and it becomes a little bit mechanical. You're getting close, but you're not quite there. Finally, you get to the stage after many hours and a lot of experience, you get to the point of unconscious competence where you're doing the right thing and you're not having to think about it. It's just happening. It's unfolding without conscious thought. And that is the fun place to be. You see it in great sports stars when, when a basketball player gets hot and they, he's just throwing in three pointers from 35 feet out with, without, a, without a second thought. And you'll see it in, in great Olympic athletes when they're, they're at their best. And when, when the commentators ask them, well, you know, what were you thinking then? Most of them will say, I wasn't thinking anything. I was just doing what I know how to do. And it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And do you think recreational players in pickleball experience a flow state very often? I think that it's, it's probably not as common, but it depends where you are on the recreational spectrum. Obviously, as you get to a little bit of a, of a higher skill set, you're not having to actually think about your mechanics when you're when you're not quite as 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 skilled yet you do have to actually go through that process that conscious competence where you're thinking okay i've got to make sure to get in the proper position this time and i got to make sure to hit that low ball soft and that high ball hard and all the things that maybe the more advanced players take for granted but you can still get in that flow state where there are moments when you catch glimpses of it and the point's over and you just realize, wow, I just put together like five or six incredible shots. And one of the things I write about in the book too is, is the concept of hardwiring happiness. When you actually do make that great sequence to just give yourself a little credit, pause for a little bit and go, wow, I just did that. So it's, I think the flow state is, is available to people in a lot of different ways. I like what you said there too about you know, giving yourself credit. And not only that, but I remember I was reading in the book, you know, you can lose a point in pickleball and, you know, sometimes you don't react well to that. But, you know, if you just kind of, you know, laugh and, you know, other people will likely on the court follow along. I mean, it just makes you feel so much better. Yeah. You kind of feel like you're a little bit more in control of, of what's going on. I mean, uh, some of us who are a, a bit older, I'm not pointing fingers at myself, but, you know, we've been through those, those phases where we have been non-accepting and 
uh, our temper has gotten the best of us and so forth. And, you know, a lot of times you look back on those things afterwards and you just kind of shake your head at yourself and go, geez, what was that all about? And one of the great things I think about getting older and still competing, which is what pickleball allows you to do, is that you are able to just let it let it roll and let it go. And, and you realize uh, when you practice enough that you actually do have a decision to make. And that decision is how long do I want to stay angry? How long do I want to not accept this? And of course, that applies far beyond the court. That's, and that's a lot of what I write about in the book is pickleball is a metaphor for life. And the lessons you learn on the court translate into the bigger picture. So when you're out there and you're letting things go and you're, and you're laughing off your mistakes, you're actually, you're making some nice changes in your life. As you said, the book really is a metaphor for life. And honestly, I've, I've been really talking about your book from a very, I would say, serious perspective, because it, it really does have some great, not only life, not only pickleball, but life lessons. But the reality is, is that I found your book actually really, really funny. And just to give an example, I'm on, I'm still reading it, or actually, I'm still listening to it on Audible. And I am on, I think, chapter nine, it's called Try Hard Two, Not Starring Bruce Willis. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, I just love the humor in your book. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah, that's one of the things I learned early in my in my Buddhist life, which I came to late in life. I've had some great teachers and they've you'll you'll see a lot of like when you see the Dalai Lama or other teachers, you'll see that twinkle in their eye. And it's it's wonderful. It's what I aspire to is is the idea that, yeah, it's important to live well and to try hard and to and to take all these steps to have the best life you can have. But if you're not having fun, I mean, come on. I mean, we've, we've got to enjoy this gift we've been given. And, you know, it, it, the great thing about pickleball, again, is that I think it reacquaints a lot of people with the concept of play. You know, when you're, when you're younger, if you, like we have a puppy right now, like a five-month-old puppy, and just watching the joy of that little critter just playing. And, and when I see my grandson just playing, and now I, see, I go out and I, I'm coaching somebody and I see I'm coaching a, a couple of ladies in their 70s, and I'm watching them just enjoying playing. So I think really, you know, life can be difficult. Life can be more interesting than we want it to be sometimes. But above all, we got to just keep connecting and laughing and enjoying. And so a, a sense of humor, I think, is our, our, greatest, uh, our greatest asset of all. I just wanted to break in here and say, as pickleball players, we want to get better at the sport. And it was in a recent interview with Hella Spar, I realized I didn't even do 10% of what she talked about on the court. So I've signed up for a doubles course, and you may want to consider doing so too. You can get more information by going to pickleballfire.com doubles. And just to let you know, I do make an affiliate commission if you purchase her course, and this helps to support the Pickleball Fire podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I agree. And it's funny you talk about how you've got a five-month-old puppy. I happened to get a kitten right before the pandemic. And uh, it, oh, man, you know, I haven't enjoyed the pandemic, but I sure that kitten has really made me smile during some really uh, tough times here in the in the world. That is so great. I mean, we all just crave that connection. And, and my wife was the big impetus behind getting that puppy, too, because she 
she can be some somewhat of a pickleball widow as I'm out there, you know, playing all the time and coaching and and doing all that stuff. And and we got that puppy, and it's just been it's been wonderful. You know, I think most of the bite marks on my hands have gone away. I'm starting to sleep more than four hours at a time. So it's <laughs> once we get through those stages, it's been just wonderful. So good for you too. It's just so great to have a little bundle of energy around, huh? It is no doubt. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the book in terms of, you know, you start at the beginning kind of with the plan for the book. Can you, you know, really outline what that is and maybe some of the chapters and, you know, just give people even more of a sense of what it's about? Sure. I try to start off right away and get to the point and I, I give what I call my my roadmap. And the roadmap is just a, 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 a series of steps that you can take if you find yourself or your life lacking in some way or needing something extra and, and, you, and you, the days just start to pass one after another and it doesn't seem like you're really getting anywhere. It might be a good time to go back and start from scratch. And where I start from is self-assessment. Take a look at where you are, take a good, honest look. And once you, once you do that and you look at yourself, honestly, you can go, okay, now let's, let's get to the business of getting where I want to go. And along the way, you under, you learn to understand the interplay of thought and emotion. You start to see that these are, are, are phenomena that come and go through your mind, but we give them much more power than they, than they need to have sometimes. So we need to really learn to engage our higher self, be able to observe ourselves. Once we start to see ourselves as a almost in, a, in the form of a witness, we can start to see what we're doing. Then we become more aware of how we want to change things. And to do that, we need to create success environments. We need to engage the power of writing things down, of developing perspective and self-compassion. And when we start to do all of those things, when those come into focus, then we're truly free to live in the present moment and, and be our best self, no matter what comes our way. So it, it's a, it's a process, but it's a fun process too. It's just like pickleball. It's a puzzle. And we're always trying to figure out, you know, the best way to live, the best way to play. And to be honest with you, if we didn't have that challenge, life would be kind of bland. So I try to advocate looking at challenge and change as, as an opportunity instead of a burden. And uh, that, that may sound a little bit too California, new agey for some people. And I, I get that. But it sure has worked for me because I'm from back east originally, and, and I've kind of learned to do these things, and it's made a heck of a big difference in my life. So what were some of the challenges for you in writing the book? You know, it's funny. Writing the book wasn't too much of a challenge. It, it just kind of came out of me. And I think the, the, the biggest part of it was, was learning to, was being able to throw away what, you, what your heart and mind had, had worked so hard on. But I, I probably, when I changed the input, the the focus to pickleball, I probably threw away about eighty percent of what I originally wrote, and so. But that's a good, you know, a good ego check too. You know, I'm not, I don't have to be tied to those words I wrote if they're not working for me anymore. So I think the hardest part, to be honest with you, Lynn, was after the book came out. I am such a a social media dork. I'm not very good at like hitting buttons on computers and making things happen. Thank God, my my wife and kids can do that. But but that's been difficult, kind of getting the word out. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on your podcast. And, and so that's been the hardest part of it. But the, 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 what's made it all worthwhile is just the great feedback from people. The people that have read it have been almost uniformly moved by certain things in it, or it's made them laugh, like you were saying. So that, that makes my heart sing. And I feel, I feel really good about the whole process. Well, let's go ahead and kind of turn the challenge question around then. And 
talk a little bit about what do you think are people's biggest challenges when they're on the pickleball court? That is a good, that's a great question. There are so many different challenges. I think I've learned more by coaching than I did by playing, but you know, playing definitely gave me some ideas. I think one of the biggest challenges people have is negative self-talk. It's, you know, and, and really having an outsized focus on mistakes rather than the things that they do well. And a lot of that is going back to the concept of hardwiring happiness. As you well know, on an evolutionary scale, we are the descendants of homo sapiens that survived by looking for trouble everywhere they went. You know, if, if you were the, I think I wrote in the book, if you're the caveman that's always you know, looking for that tiger behind every rock, chances are you survived as opposed to the guy that's walking through the forest, doing cleansing breaths and, and saying positive affirmations while he's being stalked. So, you know, we have that negative bias to us. And so when you're on the pickleball court, you have to really focus on the idea that, hey, you know what, I'm learning something here. When I make a mistake, that's not a, a self-condemnation. This is an opportunity to learn, to get better. And at some point, if you don't want to really learn and put in the time, well, then just have fun. So it, it's really the matter of, you know, finding where, who you want to be on the court, whether do I want to play tournaments or not? Do I really want to work that hard to go from a, a 3-0 to a 4-0? And sometimes the answer is no, and that's great. So, you know, you just got to kind of go back to that self-assessment I talked about. What do you want out of this game? And then go after it. What you mentioned there with really the negative self-talk, I know as a young athlete, that was something I really struggled with. And I almost, you know, I really did just kind of reprogram the way I looked at things. What are some actionable steps, you know, that can help people with their negative self-talk? I think I, I mentioned it a little bit. But when it comes to negative self-talk, a lot of it, one, one thing that I that it works for me, and this comes from my, my Buddhist training, is I, I look at the way I am talking to myself and I say, is this something that I would say out loud to someone I cared about? Would I say this to my child? Would I say this to my mother or my good friend? If the answer is no, then how about a little self-compassion and not raking yourself over the coal so much? Just, again, you got to just step back and see what you're doing. It, it takes a little time. It takes some patience. It takes practice. But when you do that, I think you just become much more kind because you realize that self-compassion is where it all starts. And as you alluded to with your athletic career, I was the same way, Lynn. I mean, I was, you know, I may have said a, a bad word or two when I was on the court or, you know, competing against other people. And, and again, it, it's just a matter of, of seeing, of witnessing yourself and saying, hey, is this who I want to be? And then just making that conscious decision to say, no, I'm going to be this person instead. I really like that because the idea of, you know, would you say this out loud, you know, to another person for them to hear? I, I think that's, that's great. I don't think most people, when they talk about kind of reprogramming their self-talk, they don't think about it from the, you know, witness perspective, like you're, like you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, and what do they, they say? It's, it's a lot of times we're, we're the, the hardest on the people that we're closest to because, on some level, we know that they're they're stuck with us. You know, it's like if you talk to your 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 partner in that way, whether it's on the court or in your relationship. You know, sometimes that that's their your outlet. You feel like you can let your frustration out on people or on yourself. And again, I just I'm advocating for that developing that self awareness 
to break those old habits and saying, hey, this is not who I need to be. I'm not doing anybody any favors here. So I might as well get on with the business of doing this thing right as I get older. That's one of the best things. There's a lot of things that aren't that much fun about getting older, but I think this, this kind of wisdom is, is a pretty cool part of aging. That's true. And I definitely would not have liked to have been my mother during my early teenage years. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's pretty tough. But anyways, as far as the book goes, how many non-pickleball players do you think are reading it? Because it's really not just all about pickleball as we've been discussing. Yeah, that was kind of the razor's edge that I walked here because it is pickleball and the art of living. I don't know which one should get top billing, but it just sounded better that way. The book really is look at at living well. And the pickleball thing does throw some people off. So when I wrote the book, I originally had the pickleball section all together up near the front where I write about you know, some of the perspectives of the different pros and, and some stuff that's much more pickleball centric. But I finally figured out I'm going to put all my instructional stuff at the very end of the book as a postscript. And I, I try to be humorous about it and tell all the pickleball players, hey, you know what? Remember on the court, you need to be patient and set up your points. So you hit this right shot at the right time. So I'm going to ask you to be patient right now and wait for my instructional stuff to come at the end of the book. So everybody else gets to play along. And then, and hopefully if you, if you develop the patience to wait for my instruction at the end, you'll develop patience to play well on the court. Right. And I like what you had to say about the pros. I, I remember some great, you know, writing when you were talking about Morgan Evans and Mark mm. Rendison, just really super interesting stories. Yeah. You know what? There are so many great people in the sport. And I, I, I just really, um, just like you, I'm inspired when I, when I meet these people, they're so down to earth and there's so little ego and it's just, it's just a pretty fun loving crowd. You know, that's, that's why we're, we're drawn to pick a ball at any level. But I think my main point when I write about the pros, not only do I show, I think I show their, their, their kindness and their irreverence at times, but I show that they really have perspective. They've, you know, all my stories, I think, deal with them going through some, some difficult times and coming out the other end. So I think it's, it's, it's aspirational for all of us to think if the pros can, can behave themselves and look at the sport with the kind of joy they do, then we, we sure can. Absolutely. So do you have a future book plan? I actually do. I've one of your podcasts actually gave me some ideas the other night, and I've written a, a book that is specifically for pickleballers and specifically for senior pickleballers. And it's it's a shorter book because I don't have to go through that whole art of living stuff. I just got to do the art of playing. And so it, it gives me much more focus. And I looked at the, the books that are out there and there really isn't anything out there I've, I've seen that really addresses pickleball directly for the senior player. And so I try to have a lot of fun with it and, you know, talk about the vicissitudes of being an older athlete. And, uh, but I'm looking, still putting together the final touches on it and looking for ways to give that proper mix of instruction and, and kind of culture that makes, makes pickleball so addictive. And uh, so that's my little project I'm playing with right now. Any, any idea when it will be published and out for purchase? Oh man, it's so, it's so hard to say. I mean, I could put it out right now and it'd be out in a month, but I think I learned from my first book that these things, as long as nobody's listening to your podcast and beats me to the punch, I, I like for these things to marinate a little bit. I find that the that the rewrites are are very rewarding and sometimes a little a little time to let it stew a bit that brings out more of the flavor. So hopefully in a few months, I would say. Okay. Well, we have something else to look forward to, it sounds like in 2021. All right. Well, all right then. To 
finish up, I know one of the things that you have been talking about is that you are also an instructor. Do you uh, mostly just do private lessons, clinics, just mostly local? Give us a little idea. Yeah, just local private lessons. It started out kind of accidentally. I, I play it at Bobby Riggs Club here in uh, Encinitas, California. And the last thing I want to do is step on their toes over there because they have their pros and so forth. But I play at other places as well. And when I was playing off-site, people kind of kept asking me questions because I, I, I seem to be able to give just enough advice to be helpful without being obnoxious, usually. And so people started asking me, hey, could you work with me? And so it turned into a word of mouth thing. And, and these days I'm, I'm really busy. There's a lot of people that, that seem to enjoy the way I teach. So I, I do definitely teach the, the fundamentals and I teach strategy and positioning and shot selection. But I also really try to focus on the, the mental side and the emotional side of the game to make sure that, you know, if you're going to do this, you better darn well enjoy yourself because you, this is this is what you've chosen to do and, and get all the, the, the joy out of this that you can. And you know, we deal with negative self-talk. We deal with the comparison trap where you can get caught and looking at that guy in the court over there and going, geez, I, I wish I was that good. I'm just never going to be that good. And instead, just going back to enjoying where you are on your journey. So people really, people really seem to gravitate toward that. And I, I do have a lot of fun working with people and playing with people. I do love that philosophy. It's similar to, I think, how I've tried to live my life. It's if I'm doing something and I don't enjoy it, I won't be doing it for long. There you go. It's an easy solution, right? Right. All right, then. If somebody wants to reach out and get in contact with you, where is the best place? Well, they can find the book on um, Amazon, The Mothership. Just go ahead and enter Pickleball and the Art of Living. You can also enter my name, which is Mike Brannon, B-R-A-N-O-N. And then you can go to my website as well, which is MikeBrannon.com. Again, it's uh, B-R-A-N-O-N. Be careful to spell it correctly because there's some variations on my name that will take you to interesting dark places on the web. So so be good and spell my name right. But yeah, in my, on my website, I have a, a bunch of blogs, even tips on stretching. Fitness is a big hobby of mine. And I try to entertain and, and inform and, and, and keep it light. So that's that's where you can find me. Great. Thank you so much, Mike. This has actually been a lot of fun. I just love the book. It reinforced just so many things that I think have value both in life and pickleball. So again, thank you for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Thank you for the forum and thank you for what you do. I do enjoy your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.